Hi, everybody. Welcome to the latest episode of the Blue Sky Fostume podcast. Um, it's almost Christmas. I can hear the, the Christmas jangling uh, in the distance, getting uh, less and less time in between each Christmas every year, I feel, as I get older. Um, but today, um, I have been joined by uh, Juliet and Tara. Um, Juliet is uh, one of our clinical practitioners here. She has lots of hats. Um, uh, and lots of slippers as we've just discovered but oh, she has lots of hats she's also an occupational therapist um and also joined by tara who's one of our foster carers um so hi guys all right hey. hello hi um and today we are going to be talking about um fostering at christmas um what that looks like as a foster carer how do you prepare for it if indeed you need to uh, i know obviously we do um <laughs> what different how how different uh christmas might look when you foster and then also from Juliet's perspective as well is about what the support and and um and things can be can be kind of on hand really should should things happen on Christmas day or in the build-up and sort of post-Christmas so um so yeah so thanks for joining us guys um I guess really a good place to start would be with you Tara would be okay. to say um what's it like fostering at Christmas <laughs> um yeah it, I mean it's different with every child and the, the experiences they've had but um, I can tell you about the young man we've got at the moment. Um, he's been with us four and a half years. So, you know, we've had a few Christmases with him now and we've learned each time what works for him and what doesn't. Um, my advice I'd give is make it a routine. Have, have your own special routine for Christmas that you build. Work with the child to see what they can tolerate and what they can't tolerate. Um, and just be prepared when things don't go as planned. <laughs> and um, thank you. And I guess, Juliet, um, I guess that's something that when those things don't go as planned, um, you're the kind of person within sort of Blue Sky that people will talk to about um, strategies and stuff like that, really, isn't it? And, and, and how they can best prepare themselves. Um, what's kind of like, what's it like supporting foster carers at Christmas? <clears throat> Excuse me, sorry. Um... Yeah, I think it is really hard because, and um, for us all in this way, because it's such an exciting time. It's a time of joy and, um, you know, just gloriousness. But at the same time, it is a time that can be really, really hard for our foster children. Um, and and it's, I suppose it's about us looking into the lens of why why things might be tough potentially and anticipating that and working um to mitigate the impact of that beforehand so a lot of our kids um will have a strong sense of christmas actually being quite a scary and difficult time for them um in terms of past memories and some of those memories will be overt and some of those memories will be memories that will be sort of encoded in their bodies they don't know why they feel uncomfortable they just remember feeling fearful and that might come to fruition, particularly, you know, in a seminal moment on Christmas Day when the opening of the presents start. So I, I suppose it, it is that really um, capturing the joy and excitement, but also thinking pragmatically in terms of, OK, what's my child's potential in their experience of the day um, with my trauma lens on? And, and how can we listen to that bit too, alongside all their, all their wonderful Christmasness? So I guess it, it really does. Um, and, and this, again, sort of comments for everybody is, is that I guess it is something that you really do need to preempt to think about, isn't it? Um, to try Absolutely. and 
Yeah, because I think... Tara's a master at that. (laughs) (laughs) You are so amazing at that piece, my God. (laughs) So why why are you so amazing at that, Tara? Go on then, let's blow blow your own smoke. (laughs) I I wouldn't say I'm amazing. I'd just say I've learned learned a few lessons along the way. Um, But no, things start ramping up as soon as the Christmas lights come out and the Christmas things start going into the shops, really. Um, Especially for a child like we have at the moment who um, has certain disabilities he's got autism as one of them and finds it very difficult when when to control his emotions and control his excitement and and anxieties so when these things start coming about that's when he starts ramping up and every other little thing feels bigger for him um so for us the christmas decorations went up a a day earlier than we normally put them up in our house um just the date just before um december and from that point onwards we've noticed a difference in behavior so we have to be very mindful of that and try and do everything we can to keep him regulated uh just you know the normal the normal strategies that you would use for your child so for him we go on drives in the forest um we go on dog walks we we do things like that just to keep him him more regulated in general um and then he can cope with all the excitement of everything else we also which is a big thing for him um he can't cope with surprises so the first year that we had him we didn't know this had lots and lots of presents thought it would be a really nice lovely time for him um and we also had my parents round. And we did what we normally do. So our traditions, not his traditions at the time, um, of everybody opening a gift to each each person as it's going around. And he just became too overwhelmed with it all and just wanted more and more and more and became quite, I suppose, aggressive in a, in a way. Uh, the language started coming out. It was a verbal abuse towards me because I wasn't giving him his Christmas presents quickly enough. And then when he was opening them, he couldn't cope. And in the end, the family around us couldn't cope with how he was being and had to move away. Um, so we've learned from that, that we tell him what he's getting. We still wrap it all up and we still put it all under the tree and he gets it. Uh, but it isn't such a big a big thing for him to be overwhelmed with each time. Um, we also let him know well in advance who's coming and what the plans are for the day. Um, because everything seems to be so much harder for for a child with the needs that he has when he doesn't know what's going to happen and he thinks there's going to be these surprises. So I guess it's that um, <laughs> it's that sort of being on edge, isn't it? And I think there's a lot of um, there's a lot of expectations about Christmas, isn't there? That it should be a certain way. Um, you know, yeah. you should have that uh, Debenhams advert, uh, you know, all sat around <laughs> the tree with everyone's all smiley, happy, and oh, here's your present, it's your turn. And actually, you sort of people strive for that, but the reality the reality of it is is Actually, it's about those kids that are living with us, whether they be our own children or our foster children, having the best day that they possibly can do. And if that means he needs to know what he's getting beforehand, then it doesn't matter. Like, yeah. I mean, we still, a better day. yeah, we still put little things in that aren't, mm. you know, not his main gifts, just mm. like stocking fillers and things like that. But he isn't told all of those. Yeah. Um, and and we throw in a few jokey ones as well, so that he he has that sort of humour element to it that helps. Um, but it's it's just so much to think about on the build up to Christmas. You, you know, the, this is a child that really can't stand doing anything out of routine, uh, which a lot of our kids are like. 
Uh, they need to know where they stand with it all. And then the next thing you know, you've got school having a Christmas jumper day or a mufty day or dress up as an elf or we're going to have fun party games or we're going to do things like this. And then they're out of the norm. Yeah. and trying to keep a child regulated when you've got all of these overexciting things coming in into his life um, is, is something that is quite difficult and you have to preempt and you have to prepare and try and keep the rest of his life quite boring in a way to be able to cope with that excitement level. Um, and I think, Juliet, this is something that I'd sort of like to ask you about is wh- why is it then that young people with um, autism and and additional needs in, in certain ways. Why is it that these changes in routines have such uh, an impact on them? What What is it that's going on? Yeah, it is really, really hard, isn't it? Because um, you just think, oh, it's just one day. <laughs> it's just, oh, it's just like a week and a half, you know. Um, but but actually for, for our children with autism and, and um, other challenges, but also for the children who've been through developmental trauma early on, they find it really, really hard to use the relationship to calm and soothe. So for a lot of our children, and for a lot of us, because <laughs> a lot of us are similar, um, we need routine and structure to actually help us to feel safe so we can, as Tara said, preempt what's going to ha- um, happen next. Okay, so I know that on Thursday morning I'm going to be putting that red Christmas jumper on and I know it fits me, it doesn't scratch me. Um, and I Or I can talk to Tara about that and she can help me problem solve that piece before I put it on um, and so yeah it, it is about that the holding of the structure and the routine and that giving the child the safety or the young person safety and obviously that gets dispensed of at Christmas when we're all um, jumping up and down celebrating um, yeah because I think mm-hmm. even as a I was going to call myself a grounded 35 year old male but <laughs> As, as, as a ground as a grounded 35 year old man um i find christmas overwhelming um i find the 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 structure's gone out the window it's that you know it's it's what yeah. i'm doing and and you know where, where's this where's that and we're eating at a funny time and i want it to be a certain way and, and all this stuff and and i think that um for me and my family actually by sometimes just keeping it a bit more simple has just meant that everybody's had a nicer day. Um, so one of the things that you said there was that Tara has been able to, um, oh, sorry, 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 you've been able to um, preempt things. Um, you, you know him, he's been with you for a, a quite a period of time now, but what about if we were to go back to that first Christmas, when things did go the way that they did, how do you, recover from that with him on that on that Christmas day and Boxing Day what did you what did you do to kind of get things back on back on the rails so to speak yes it was a very challenging time because you're quite embarrassed in a way as well because you've got other people there and the child that you desperately want these other people to like is really not performing well shall we say um and I think that you 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 feel um, this onus on trying to recover everything for everybody. So not only are you trying to make it up to family who've been there and not known how to deal with it, but also this poor child that has had this overwhelming experience that you just need to be able to just forget everybody else and just get them regulated and sorted. So with him, it's more a case of let's go out for a walk. 
let's do something. Look, you know, you've got these presents here. Do you want to bring something with you? And we can talk about it as you go. Um, and we're fortunate enough to have an assistance dog as well. So he was, you know, on hand to to be there as a cuddler and as uh, and to be able to go out with. So, um, you know, that that's how we manage things. But no, it, it's it's very difficult and the pressure that you put on yourself as well. I'd say that if this, if it, as a foster carer within your first year of doing it, I would keep it very basic. Um, and then you learn from that point on from, you know, how to cope with everything. Um, you know, what your child strategies are for, for coming down and out of a, out of a meltdown situation. Um, and, and they're not feeling so fearful and, not knowing how to deal with things themselves because it's all about them learning as well not just you learning what calms them but them learning what calms themselves so you know the, knowing their own needs um yeah it's it, it it's it's not a nice memory should we say <laughs> but i think that you, to now be able to look back on it and actually share those things that have worked with other people is um that's a real testament to the resilience of you guys as carers i think and Thank and you. i think and, and juliet um one of the things that you've spoke to me about before and I'm going to get the name wrong, um, is uh, a, a box of stuff to um, help. We've used the yeah. word regulate. We've used the word regulate yeah. quite a lot now. And I'm just thinking, actually, if it's at Christmas, you know, what, what, is, what, is, what is the name of the box, first of all, so I don't keep sort of talking about not what it's called. What did you say it was called? Yeah, I mean, Tara, I'm Tara was talking to the two in terms of um, it, it, it's... Um, so we know that... Um, some of our children regulate better using some activities um, mm. and those activities um, sometimes click into the, the, the bottom of the brain, which is the brain stem. So um, some people, um, is, with, with some children, use um, what we call brain stem karma boxes. So boxes full of different activities that down-regulate the child. The, I suppose the, the difficulty with this is that you have to know the child really quite well and have had to <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, experiment with different activities. But I suppose it goes back to cues of safety. So if there are activities that you know down-regulates your child, then you know you you get that into a box. You plan it. You put it into the corner corner of the room, and and you you weave that into the into the day. Um, but and I know Tara, you were you're amazing in terms of actually with your child. You know, reminding him that he can leave the family unit and go and have his own space. Absolutely. Whenever he needs to, it's not that no, that actual pressure of needing to stay in that really complex social setting with possibly new people, different people. So you you were amazing at that, just giving him permission. Yeah, he's already decided this year he's going to. Um, he he doesn't want to join us at the beginning of the meal. He wants to come halfway through. So um, you know he's already making these decisions himself, and it might change before Christmas. But it's just as you say allowing that to happen and expecting it to happen as well um rather than trying to force him to to participate in everything um and having a lot of downtime as well so um you know w when people are, are playing games and things if that's what they want to do if he doesn't want to do it that's fine just you know he he has somewhere to go but he, he in his circumstance he'd go to his playroom and and just have a few minutes out so that he can, um, you know, come and join in or or watch from a distance. I think that's so, uh, what you just said about the Christmas meal as well is, is that at the start of Christmas meal, of a Christmas meal, there's so much going on. Mm. <laughs> there's food being passed around. Um, there's people pulling crackers and it's it's incredibly 
stim- overstimulated, mm-hmm. isn't it? And actually, absolutely. Just by you saying that he can take some time out and he doesn't have to sit down at the start of the meal already. I'm like, well, it's going to be much calmer. I think that's what I'm going to do this year. <laughs> it does. It just, it just seems more just calmer yeah. and, 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 and to know he's got permission to do that. Yeah. yeah. And there's also, I mean, we, with things as well, I mean, he, he likes his routine and allowing, I mean, he's 15 years old, but uh, we know with a lot of our children that have um, developmental delay, they like, they like the, um, sort of things that much younger children uh, enjoy. And um, there's a lot of apps and things out there, uh, like the Santa Cam and the Elf Cam. And there was a McDonald's one last year that they did with a reindeer that came in. And he still loves all of that sort of thing. So if if it's been done prior to Christmas, so you've got them there for him to go and watch these little videos of things. So it's something yeah. that he can sit and do, yeah. uh, which is still with a Christmassy feel and still lovely and something that he really enjoys. Um, but it's just giving him something to do while he's on a timeout rather than, you know, it's a distraction really. Um, and, and I think one of the things is about creating memories with them, isn't it? And and the longer they are, the longer the young person is with you, the more opportunities you've got to create those memories. And if they're in a, a more um, regulated state, they're able to form those memories, aren't they? Because the anxiety isn't flowing through their body and, um, and actually, that's something I just wanted to ask you about, Juliet, because we've used the word regulated and downregulate quite a bit. Could you just explain what that means for everybody, please? Yeah, so um, regulated is when uh, um, we and our children are in a just right state. So they're not, um, you're not in your emotional anxiety, anger-based bit of your brain, the middle bit. You're in the top half, which is the, the thinking bit, the, the social bit. Um, and um, when when we and our children are dysregulated, then we are that thinking bit goes offline a lot more, and we're um, more reactive, more responsive, um, more hyper vigilant to, to threat in our environment. And I think in terms of Christmas, what Tony and Tara just it just amazing at is is their radar. So they have that radar out, watching for their child's nervous system and whether the child in sitting in the front bit of his brain and is chatting and is regulating or whether he's gone back into the middle bit the more emotional limbic bit of his brain and he's getting angry and the non-verbals are, are more retreated and then you know turn into a cue him then to to, to 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 you know access an activity or to access them um it is not it is not too dysregulated to, to, to you know to, to to calm himself to to ground himself so um yeah it's it's quite important to know those two words because that they're the 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 goggles that we'll will be watching in terms of our, our children's response um, and it is, it's, yeah, it is, it's hard work because we're getting the table laid, you know, multitasking left, right and centre, yet still the radar is out, you know, in terms of that child's nervous system and, and, where, and how he or she's coping in the moment. So, yeah. so with, with, that, with, with that being said then, Tara, um, yeah. and, it, and, and um, like Juliet just said, you've got your goggles on and you're looking for these things. How do you make sure then that you, Christmas is still Christmas for you guys as carers? Um a routine again i mean you know it's that expectations not not having something that is unreachable for all of us so don't make things too complicated um and just not doing anything that 
when when we're talking about um, uh, him trying to keep him regulated as well, if you have a child in your home that isn't regulated at the point where everybody's turning up and everything else, I mean, that can be seen as sort of not just getting angry where it eventually leads, like Juliet said, normally, but also like uh, overexcitement. So absolute uh. hysterical laughter um, and just over overwhelming everybody in the room. Um, and you just need to just, if you've got it simply simple, then you can just find a moment to just like, come on, let's go and do this. You can come and help me with this. Or do you want to do that? Or let's, you want to go for a quick walk or, you know, plan it into your day as well in, yeah. beforehand. So you've got breaks and things can be moved around. So, you know, prepare everything beforehand if you're doing the christmas meal get everything peeled and done and everything the night before um <laughs> yeah because you don't know what's going to happen and you don't want you know, you don't want that disappointment because it is disappointing when things go wrong yeah. um and you know you, you want it to be nice for everybody and there, it is only one day but you just want to make it special for everyone including that child and um, you know and if, if they if they do go wrong you want to mi minimize that so that it doesn't have such a big impact and people don't remember it so much as well. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, so one of the other things, obviously, that I've got, I've got a couple more questions and stuff is, um, what about contact at Christmas? Um, <laughs> without going into too much detail around it, how does that play a part in um, what you know parents' expectations of their of their of their kids are? Um, how do you manage contact at Christmas? We, um, we're fortunate in as much that we get quite a lot of say over contact. Um, our young man has it six times a year. So we tend to avoid uh, big holidays and events because um, as his relationship has got better with um, his dad, he's actually more reactive to contact. Mm. Whereas before it didn't bother him at all. It was just seeing somebody he might as well have just gone out and met a stranger and, and that would be, how it was and he'd just you know come out oh we're going there now we'll move on to something else yeah. but now he's built that relationship he gets a lead up to it a week before and a w at about a week afterwards so we we you know we try to avoid the big times um what we do so he had his last contact in november and the next one will be january but we he has um text communication with mm -hmm. his dad because he can't cope um with phone calls very easily and we get the same reactions so he'll have a lot of text messages back and forth um and that he really feels that he's got that connection to his family still he can think about what he's writing beforehand and respond in a way that his dad likes as well um and it's just worked out better for us that way with him so in terms of that um julia if we bring it back this other way we're talking about family and identity and and how important is that sense of identity to um, particularly looked after children growing up, you know, in a different family unit. In terms of contact, in terms yeah, of yeah. So in terms of them have, have keeping hold of that identity mm -hmm. and who their their parents are. Um, I think it, it goes back to what Tara was saying. It's a, you know, and, and you, it's, it's such a a seminal part of the year, and um, uh, you know. It, um, all our children are so different and their journeys are so different um, for some of our children it will be so vital um, to you know to, to have that contact in whatever means it, it is um, in terms of them 
not experiencing a sense of rejection from from birth parents but but as Tara said you know it's that window of stress tolerance of some of our children it just it just be too overwhelming too many emotions to process um, and too many past memories to process at a time when um you know our nervous system all our nervous systems are quite activated so it is really um, yeah, very different for different children. Um, but from a foster carer's perspective, we often say in reflective session, you know, just listen to your gut. If your gut is saying, gosh, this is going to be really overwhelming for my foster child, you know, speak to the team around and really talk window with stress tolerance and you know, raising that curiosity. I, you know, I just feel this might be too much. You know, how can we adjust the structure to fit within what we feel, we feel the child can manage so the child has contact but it isn't it's, it's not overwhelming um and, it, and it's you know it stays as a as a memory not not as um something that's upsetting i think isn't it keeping that advocacy there for you yes. and actually what what is going to be best for them in this situation because Absolutely. some people yes. might think well actually the best thing is to you know see family at christmas but actually if that's gonna um be the you know be the the straw that broke the camel's back if it's going to be too much you better to have contact in january mm. and have it and there's a nicer time for everybody aren't you mm, mm, absolutely yeah and yeah january can be quite a downtime for, for mm. people as well after christmas you know because we've all been at all over over excited and happy times and then it's all like christmas uh, christmas is finished and you get that negative feeling anyway so for for him it's something else to look forward to into the new year yeah. which is really nice and yeah. it sort of like extends that Christmas feeling a little bit. Um, it's got that lovely narrative then that he gets to share um, with his birth, birth family in terms of what you've done and, you know, how yeah. it's gone. It's, um, yeah, it's just yeah. different, isn't it? It gets, the, gets to like reframe it and reflect on the positive side, doesn't mm. it? So it's then reinforcing what, what's happened in the nice the nice side of things. Um, mm. So I've got another question, Tara. Um, okay. When we, For those people who might be listening to this who, who know, um, who aren't foster carers or don't know much about fostering is safe care and um, and how we sort of promote that, um, you know, keeping okay. yourself safe um, and all that kind of stuff. And again, without going into necessarily the complete specifics is when I was a kid, um, mm-hmm. we all used to get in the big bed on Christmas day. Um, we'd all have the presents in there. And, and, and I think we talked to a lot of carers in assessment about how some t- your routines might need to change when you become a carer so can you just talk to us about how some of those things may have changed um you know yeah I mean it is it is different than our birth children we did used to have our birth children used to sort of like get their stockings and bring them in and and they don't open them all together and we've had to have a very different routine but one that suits him um and making it as much fun and personal to him as it would be if he was coming in our room which he doesn't do um so what he does because he needs for for his routine daily um he has to follow a certain path anyway so he has to have a shower then it's getting dressed and breakfast and everything else otherwise he can't carry on with the rest of his day Mm. um and so we've built that into christmas so we've made it slightly special and different um so he will get up the stocking isn't down there we put it under the christmas tree um and he'll have a special breakfast upstairs so he knows he has his breakfast before he comes downstairs so he gets breakfast in bed or breakfast in the playroom which is a special treat for him um and we make it christmassy 
And then we've done all of Santa's footsteps and things around downstairs and made a mess. And Rudolph's chewed up bits of carrot and they've made a mess on the carpet. It just gives us something to have a little bit of a, oh, he's done it again. He's made a right old mess, you know, oh, all this fun and games, sort of like that sort of thing, which makes him laugh. And then he can go to his stockings and he's ready then. He's he's already up and dressed and, and had everything um, organised. He doesn't have to stop playing with the, the toys that he's got to be able to be ready for anything else. He can do what he likes and, and relax at that point. Um, and that's his routine and that's how we've built it in. Um, and it suits him and he looks forward to it. He loves the fact that Santa gets snow all in the house and, <laughs> and all the, you know, the reindeer, reindeer droppings, you get some Maltesers and things, you know, they're, they're sort of like randomly around. Just that silliness really. Yeah. And it, it's that side of it that is special for him um, without that need to come in uh, in our room and open up the presents because yeah. we are up then as well. And we are there with him opening the presents at the same time. Um, and yet he hasn't got any worries to follow on from that afterwards. So I think that's yeah. so lovely. I think, um, and Juliet, I'm sure you'll be able to add a lot more context to this, but I was going to use the word regression, but I don't mean it in a, I don't mean it in a negative way. I mean, it in that positive way of actually, like you said earlier, Tyra, like, liking things that more generally might be associated with younger children actually yeah. to have that safe space to be able to 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 be in that mindset that santa's been in and the reindeer's pooed on the floor and and you can do the things and be safe to to be who you are um yeah. juliet so why is that so important that we allow our young people to um present and to do the things that are not generally what you might associate with somebody the age that they are it's I think it's about um you know them being in the right regulated place to access joy and pleasure um and whether that's you know a 13 year old cuddling into a teddy um or um you know a, a 17 year old um you know playing snakes and ladders it's um when when we when we've dispelled that age appropriateness and we're just playing and connecting in joy and pleasure is absolute spinach um and our children our children's nervous systems will gravitate to what they need so we've got we've got a child who's playing in a much younger way in our team we're like gosh yes that's amazing that's brilliant yeah. we're all doing a good job foster care is amazing because the child is just literally getting what he needs or he or she needs joy and pleasure and connection all that sensory fun um without feeling unsafe and, and inhibited so it's just it's fabulous you know that as tara just described you know the Maltesers and the you know that that's just awesome just brilliant they, they, it's also, I mean, at school, there's no way that he would say he believed in Santa, Santa, but it's, it's having that at home, that feeling that of, um, you know, safeness and, you know, he's not ashamed to be, to be able to go and enjoy the things that he's missed out on in life. Uh, I think that's another sort of like important thing. You don't know half the time what these children's yeah. experiences have been and what they feel they've missed out on mm. and just giving them that opportunity to be able to enjoy the things that we all remember of when, from when we're young that have had sort of like happy, healthy upbringings that, um, you know, we've, we've had those opportunities and those times and those memories and just giving them that, you know, to them now, even though they're a bit older and just not making them feel silly 
because they want to enjoy them now. It's, it, and that's the point. It's, it's just imagining all those things around your house and just seeing this face <laughs> like, and I just think it's, I just think it's so lovely that, that you have got to a place where you can do those things. Um, and that he feels safe to be able to enjoy them. I think it's, I think it's, I think what you've just said in the past minute has just summed up why people foster. Um, <laughs> I think it's, uh, you know, all the challenges and, and all the difficult times to see someone's face come down on Christmas day and be older and be like, oh, they're not standing in the reindeer poo or watch out for the Santa's footsteps. I just think is. Yeah. Yeah. He it's just, he, 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 at the end of the day, he's still a child and yeah it gives him the opportunity to be a child still and enjoy life and just, you know, have, have some fun, you know, away from all of the, the pressures of everything else and all the worries of everything else in life, because yeah. it is very difficult. His whole life is very difficult because of the amount of anxieties that he does have to carry around with him all the time. Um, and, and just be able to, for him to know that that's a routine. He expects it now, you know, it's uh, we're going to do that. Uh, you know have I got the reindeer poo ready have I got the the you know the can you remember the footsteps and all this other stuff you are yeah. going to do that aren't you um an elf on the shelf uh changing yeah. positions he's in quarantine at the moment but he sat on the <laughs> he sat on a on at the bottom of the stairs but every day he this this elf has tried to make an escape so um you know it's it's all the silly little things like that that he enjoys and and that's what it makes it special for everybody because when you see somebody else enjoying it, it makes it all worth it. Our um, our elf on the shelf uh, drank. My son has a smoothie for breakfast every day, and um, <laughs> yesterday morning the elf on the shelf had uh, overindulged, and had, uh, it, we got some um, some plastic sick from Home Bargains. Oh. And uh, <laughs> it had made a reappearance, and he looked at it and he was like, "Daddy, naughty elf." has been drinking my smoothie i was like yes <laughs> naughty elf so mr elf, mr elf is also in quarantine at the moment uh sat here next to me in the office um but yeah it's just lovely in it um guess what christmas is all about um, so just before we wrap it up um if you've got any sort of i mean you've given loads of advice and for me it's like you know you can never start preparing too early it's lifting the expectations it's um taking the time to think about what what might be triggers for them it's thinking yeah. about the sensory needs so you know does that does their christmas jumper from last year still fit them or even if it doesn't is it the one that they have got memories associated to you know is it scratchy is it best to get them something different or you know it, there's so much stuff that hopefully when people listen to this they'll be able to take from but is there anything else from either of you that you just want to think actually do you know what i wish i'd known that or you know that little nugget yeah. of classic stuff you want to share before we wrap up for today absolutely i think for me sorry tara jumping in i think for me um one of the big things that comes up and um, particularly uh, in the first couple of years of a placement is when a child receives the present how how we expect them to behave and a lot of our children you know they really just don't feel good enough they feel really really bad inside so they don't actually know how to receive a present and it feels really uncomfortable and so some of our children can say I didn't want that and get quite cross but it's not because they mean to be cross it's because they can't actually cope with the giving and receiving so that's for me from an attachment perspective is just you know don't be disappointed if the response isn't one of gratitude because the child is is processing dealing with um, so much more beneath the iceberg 
And that that can be quite an extreme uh, case as well, as ours was the first year. That was quite unexpected. Mm. So, yeah. Uh, I think the the thing that I'd sort of like would have liked to have thought more about was uh, about choices before Christmas. Quite often, um, parents and foster carers ask their children what they want for Christmas. And if you think about how, um, you know, that is such an open-ended question and leaves too much to, to actually think about. Um, and in our case, it can cause obsessions with things. Um, and so you'll get talked at for hours on end about certain things that, that they absolutely need it's uh, you know to to him it would be life wouldn't be worth living if he didn't get these things and he needs a whole set of them and if he doesn't get the whole set then he'll be you know absolutely devastated and so you just have to be careful about um giving too much choice and um thinking carefully about what it is that that um, you you get as a gift so that's that's the uh, that's something think, um, we, you know. Yeah, I think um, it's all about trying to give them, set them up to succeed mm. um, in the way that works for them, isn't it? So, um, and sorry, and, and and I guess actually the point that kind of ties those things together when they do receive those those gifts, Juliet and Tara, I guess it's is it kind of like checking in with yourself, being like, you know, don't expect fireworks to go off to be, you know, that grateful, like, oh my god, that's the best thing ever. Actually, it's kind of having a word with yourself isn't it and being like that what are you setting your own expectations yeah and family just briefing family just say you know it yeah. might be really hard when he opens a present i'm really sorry but that you know that and that's not his fault he, her fault it's just um it's just trauma so just you know we're going to manage it moment to moment all of us but because sometimes some family responses can be a bit shocking as you know oh don't you feel grateful <laughs> and you know and it just escalates up so it's you're right it's that pre-preparation of everyone including ourselves in terms of um, yeah, this bit might be particularly tricky. Um, yeah, mm. and yeah, the the you know you've got to, again bring in the developmental uh, element because it's a bit like you know it's acceptable when when you give a a very young child a gift and they play with the box <laughs> and they're not interested in what's in it. You've sort of like got to look at it in that respect as well that that they might not have an interest in you know they've you they've asked for this big gift. You've managed to, to find it. It's taken you forever to find it. Um, and you've got it and, and you're so excited about giving it to them. And then they look at it and they're not, they don't even take much notice of it for very long at all and move on to something else. And it is, it is that ability to be able to keep that concentration and focus on that one thing um, as well. So, uh, yeah. Uh. Um. Cool. Well, thank you. Um, I'm going to change my Christmas plans now, I think. Um, <laughs> thank you. For, um, I'm not going to be, I'm definitely not going to be sitting down when everyone else starts eating. I just think it's just about making it as easy and as, and as uh, making things accessible and making, mm. making what can be a very stressful time accessible mm. for our kids so that they can create those memories from it. Um, listen, I just want to say like a, a huge thank you um, to you guys we'll talk about new year's day next um <laughs> so I, say, I just want to say a huge thank you to you all um for giving up your time um, i do hope that anybody that's been listening to this has found it useful found it helpful um there's you can um comment um below um if you haven't already subscribed to the blue sky fostering podcast um then if you're what if you're listening on spotify um make sure please 
press the subscribe thing. It lets us know that people are listening. The same on Apple Music. Um, it also works on your smart speaker as well. So um, I won't say the, the the Google or the Alexa word because it will set off the speakers. <laughs> um, but you can get it all on there now. Um, if there's anything that you want to hear, anything you want us to cover in the coming year, please make sure to let us know. Um, and um, yeah, thanks again, guys, for giving up your time. I, I no really, really appreciate it. No I, hope you have, I hope you have a lovely Christmas. Um, I'm sure you will, as long yeah. as it you, you've got your adaptability and your plans in place. Um, I'm sure it'll be lovely. <laughs> Don't stand in any reindeer poo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, happy Christmas, everyone. Cheers, guys. Happy Thank Christmas. You. Bye. Bye. Um, so um, you've, you've, this is like the encore version. Um, <laughs> just as we were wrapping up, um, Tara remembered something about her young person who it has a tendency to open presents rather quickly. And you came up with a really inventive way to, um, to, to slow him down. <laughs> yeah, I actually heard it from somebody else, so I can't take it as my <laughs> idea. But um, no, but because of the fact that it was just opening presents and then just discarding them and just just getting a bit overwhelmed with it all we actually gave him the challenge of opening things with with oven gloves on so um that that it it slowed it down a little before it became a little bit too frustrating but it was just brought in that element of fun and it just helped him to to realize and you could talk as he was trying to open it again oh what's it feel like what's it sound like what's you know and and rather than it just be a ripped open discarded thing so yeah that's quite a quite a fun and, and helpful thing to to use for a child that does that so that we just we just had to add that in for everybody so now this is the proper <laughs> goodbye goodbye <laughs> <laughs> bye bye <laughs>